On today's show, so after the first season with 12 teams and Geelong claiming their first premiership, Collingwood come out determined to make amends for their previous grand final disappointments and plan to go one better. The three new teams look to improve on their previous year's lowly achievements. South leave their run to the finals late and set up a final round showdown with a desperate Essendon. Geelong look to go back to back and Melbourne, after several years of strong recruiting, continue to rise up the ladder. We also discuss what we could possibly do to replace Crapwatch. All that and more coming up after the song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say all right, welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. My name is Tim. I'm here with Kaz and Charlie. Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. <laughs> We're here today to talk about the 1926 VFL season, boys. Yes, and we are. are. Very happy about that, both of you. Certainly are. After the start of 2019 and how terribly the <laughs> days are gone, it's nice to uh, to talk about a team that's finally successful. Yeah, mm. I've been looking forward to this one for. Since, since 1900? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. One measly premiership. We've yeah. been out in the woods no, for a long time. That's right. Uh, now, before we get in, stuck into anything today, quick quick thing we need to discuss. Now, as we know, Ivor Crap passed away, sadly, a few, few episodes ago. Vale Henry. We, we, we gave you our song last episode. Mm. Uh, now it just it fills a, there's a big space there. What do we what do we put in place of Crap Watch? Mm. And I must say as well, Dick Watch. There's not much on the horizon. No, exactly. There he's he's laying low in Sydney. The old Dick Condon. So sure. what what yeah. do we do? Surely, surely something well, as enigmatic as uh, Dick Condon or, or I have a crap. They're out there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are we just waiting for the next for the next, next uh, character? The next <laughs> character to ja- present himself. Jacko Watch. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, that's it. Not too too far away. Um, I had the idea we could uh, we could track the the uh, Brownlow medalists through the year, and then we could sum up their year or something like that. But that just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? No, and we'll probably probably be focusing on the Brownlow anyway. anyway. Yeah. We need uh, yeah we need someone who does some outrageous stuff that's right. or yeah. something like that. Not beige ideas like mine. Um, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll know that. Uh, Gary from the Collingwood Football History Tour is constantly getting into us about our lack of Peter Dacos yep. news. So possibly we could do something Peter Dacos related. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. It might be a bit a of countdown. a vacuum for a while. A countdown to Dacos. Countdown to Dacos. Countdown until the, when the great man debuts. Yeah, possibly. Oh, well, who, well, who's the other great man, Kaz? Maybe we need a count, countdown for your man. You know, I've got oh, a countdown. Murray. Gone, that's right. It's always going, you know, myself. I've got my own little countdown going. <laughs> if you guys want to get around it. Maybe it's maybe it's the Kevin Murray versus Dacos countdown. Maybe See which one might be Twitter poll. Maybe we could. Oh, yes, I love it. <laughs> Dacos or Bulldog. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll see. Please tweet in the suggestions. Yeah. So 1926. It's great a, year, great Timmy. Year? It was a great year, Timmy. All right. Well, the song of that year, uh, the song on. I picked out, uh, was a little number by Al Jolson <laughs> called "When the Red Red Robin Goes Bop Bop Bopping Along." Oh, too let's, good. Have, let's have a bit of a listen now. Yeah, I like it. Oh, me too, me too. Yeah, a little, little nice little ditty. Yeah, beautiful. Catchy. All right. Yeah, well, should we get stuck into some events of twenty events. of nineteen twenty six, boys? Because it starts with a ripper. 
Well, I don't know when it happened in this year, but I'm going to start with one for you. Yeah. So, the ballerina Anna Pavlova toured Australia and New Zealand, like her name. Yes. creating the culinary masterpiece that is the Pavlova. She didn't. Either <laughs> Australia or New Zealand created it right. in her honour. So she wasn't a, a chef slash ballet no, dancer? No, no. She wasn't, just happened to be a great cook at the she same wasn't, time. <laughs> she wasn't whisking the egg whites with her on-point feet or the something like that. The cultural exchange was more than <laughs> no. art and ballet. It was, it was cooking. The, <laughs> the argument is still going, though, who created yeah. it. New Zealanders say it was them. The Aussies are right and say it's us. Exactly. So, you know, we, we still aren't sure. But it was, happened sometime in her tour of the two countries in 26. And it was so beautiful, they, they thought they'd give it a Something name. light and just oh, yes. fluffy and sweet. <laughs> just like Anna herself. Yeah. That's right. Um, okay, and let's continue. On the 26th of January, the Scottish inventor John Logie Baird, now we talked about him last year as well, demonstrated the mechanical television system for members of the Royal Institution and a reporter from The Times at his London lab. On the 1st of Feb, land on Broadway and Wall Street in New York City was sold at a record $7 per square inch, okay. which is actually still quite a lot. Yeah. But it is, it's only affordable, it says, for four more years. So after that, it's just, you know, I don't even know what that means. On the 6th of March, the Shakespeare Memorial Theatre in Stratford-on-Avon was destroyed by fire. And on the 7th of April, an assassination attempt against the fascist leader Benito Mussolini failed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, on the 23rd of July, Fox Film bought the patent to the movie tone sound system for recording sound onto film. And on the 6th of August, Gertrude Adele, Adele became the first woman to swim the English Channel. From France to England. Hey. Uh, Better than Campbell Brown. He yeah, he, <laughs> she's done well. Yeah. Um, on the 20th of September, the Northside gang attempted to assassinate Al Capone, who was at the height of his powers in 26, and sprayed his headquarters in Cicero, Illinois, with over a thousand rounds of machine gun fire in broad daylight while he was there eating. But he somehow escaped harm. Unbelievable. Um, on the 25th of September, the Detroit Cougars, who were the predecessor to the Detroit Red Wings, the professional ice hockey club, was founded. And on the 14th of October, A.A. Milne's children's book, Winnie the Pooh, was published in London, featuring the bear for the very first time. Um, the 31st of October, Harry Houdini died of gangrene and peritonitis that developed from his appendix being ruptured. A punch he received. Yeah, that that's right. Things he did. One of, yeah, that he just got smashed by he strong men, didn't the, he? Yeah, he could take yeah. a punch in the stomach. Yeah, well, could he Apparently though? Not. <laughs> yeah. On the 2nd of November, Spearfelt won the Melbourne Cup. And on the 11th of November, the United States started their numbered highway system, so the Route 66 was established, including many others. Nice. Uh, any other events, guys, before I move on to births? Um, Sydney got some electric train trains. Ah, the monorail? Yeah. yeah. Uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> and General Motors set up an assembly plant in Melbourne. Oh, good on them. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Kaz? You had some news? Oh, yeah. Do you have some new news? No. Oh, sorry. This is another setup. I thought, I thought you were waving at it. I thought you had, yeah, yeah, I thought you had, I had something. News. I have news. I have news. It was the opposite of that. Okay. <laughs> Don't come to me. Yeah, Any right. birth? Any people born in 1926? <laughs> Plenty of people were born in 26. And here are some standouts, guys. 
On the 16th of March, Jerry Lewis, the American comedian oh. and humanitarian. On the 2nd of April, Jack Brabham, the Australian car racing driver, who only died a few years ago now. On the 9th of April, the great man Hugh Hefner was born. In his robe, I heard. He came out in the robe. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> On the 28th of April, Harper Lee, who wrote To Kill a Mockingbird, was born. And on the 8th of May, David Attenborough. Ooh. Also on the 8th of May, Don Rickles, the famous comedian, stand-up comedian, was born. On the 26th of May, Miles Davis, the mm. American musician. On the 1st of June, Marilyn Monroe. On the 3rd of June, Allen Ginsberg, the beat poet. On the 28th of June, Mel Brooks, the screenwriter, comedian, uh, what, Blazing Saddles, yeah. all those sorts of, yeah. Baseballs. Yeah, yeah, all the classics. Mm. Um, and in a similar vein, on the 13th of August, Fidel Castro. He was <laughs> quite a funny man. No. Uh, on the 23rd of September, John Coltrane, the jazz ah. saxophonist, born was born. Same year. Cool. Um, and on the 4th of October, well, Interesting. On the 4th of October, Farlap was born. Uh, although, you know, all horses' birthdays <laughs> are August the 1st. Anyway. Uh, it's, it's funny that they're all, all horses are born on the same, on the day, same day. It's crazy. Mm. It's really easy for breed, horse breeders yeah, yeah, to it? figure it out. Yeah. yeah. On the 11th of October, Neville Rann, who was the Premier of New South Wales in the 70s and 80s. And on October 18th, Chuck Berry, the American singer, songwriter, and guitarist. I love it. And on the 7th of November, Joan Sutherland, the Australian opera singer, was born. Mm. Great year, Timmy. Great year. Great year, Kaz. Full of greats, Charlie. <laughs> Plenty. And it's interesting, There's, you know, as we go through, there's more people who we know more about and mm. some of them are <laughs> potentially still alive. There's actually, sorry, there's a massive one that I just missed because I had it in events because that's how big it is. Princess Elizabeth Mary of York, later Queen Elizabeth II, yeah, she's still was born. Around. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Still on all our money. She was born. <laughs> so she was born on the 21st of April. Mm. There you go. So I had it in events and then I left it out because <laughs> I should have put it in births and I didn't. Hey, very nice. This is the big one. All right. Um, well, let's get stuck into the 1926 season, boys. Oh, I am <laughs> absolutely raring to go. So here. some some league news first. In order to ensure that each team had nine home games in every season, the 17-game home and away season is extended to 18 mm-hmm. for the 1926 season. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why they didn't do it. And we're still arguing about this whole... The, yeah, exactly. The, 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 the way the system works, yeah. yeah. Uh, in early May, Dr. William McClelland is elected the president of the VFL after Sir William Baldwin retired. Mm. He would hold this position until 1956. Yes, he certainly oh, would. Big God. Bill, great mm. Melbourne man. And he'd have, right. a, he'd have a trophy named after him, Kaz. The McClellan Trophy. <laughs> well, what's, right. what's it a... for? <laughs> Maybe we should ask someone else. <laughs> uh, in case... um, now, I know what it's for. It's winning the season. The, correct. The, the season. <laughs> well, you like get Kaz. the most wins. Yeah. Not the grand final. No. All teams uh, play this year on the King's birthday as well, having played two days earlier on the Saturday, and I think this is the first time it happened for a few seasons. Yeah. We know it's happened in the past. but Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was a very quick turnaround. Yes, and the league also decided in early September that club members needed to pay for finals tickets that year. That's right, yeah, for the first time. Outrage. Ooh. Yeah. Madness. Do they do it now? I don't know. I don't know if they do. Like, mm. yeah. Anyway, anyway right, let's move moving on. on. Apologies. 
Let's go from uh, bottom to top like we usually do. In 12th place, North Melbourne with 18... Wait a second. It says no wins. Yeah. There's no number there. One draw, though. Oh, that just does, that hurts even more. And 17 losses, <laughs> 73.7%. Yeah, not a great year for North. After a, quite a promising first yeah. year. Yeah, well, being, being the eventual Premier in round one That's in right, that's right. And getting five wins, finishing 10th. I think it was. So they beat the other two newcomers last year. They were looking the goods and have fallen off, unfortunately. So captained uh, by Gerald Donnelly, coached by a few people this year. So starting the year with Wells Ike, the great St Kilda man, then uh, Stan Thomas took over after Wells left for one match and then their captain, Gerald Donnelly, took over for the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that because we know Wells Ike coached them last year as well. Yes, so we'll talk about the reasons for that if we know know some of them. Yeah. Um, and their lead goal kicker was Frank Metcalf with 26 that year. All right. And according to Jared's book, if you remember, we spoke to Jared in our North Melbourne special. North at this time were also known as the Bluebirds. Yeah, for this one year, it didn't I stick. Don't know where it came from. But they went yes. back to the Shinboners. Mm. They started as the Shinboners. They turned into the Bluebirds. It doesn't really. It's not. It's not putting fear into the hearts of your opponents. No. Maybe that's why they <laughs> fell back to twelve. Uh, so round two. So they lost uh, in round one to Hawthorne by four points. Last year's Wooden Spooners. And after round two's loss, there were starting to be questions asked of the dedication the players were putting into their training, and there was rumours that Wells Ike may resign. He was under a bit of pressure. Round three, the Shinboners then lost, or the Bluebirds, I should say, <laughs> lost to Melbourne by five goals. And in that week following, Wells Ike resigned as both captain and coach, owing to business reasons. Ah, How convenient. Yes. Yep. So in his place, Jared Donnelly took over as captain, and Ike continued, uh, intended to continue playing with the club as much as he could. And he did this for the last time in round five, so he, he played for two more games. Okay, and then yep. sort of finished a stellar career kind of in... They just went out with a... You know, fizzle. Yeah, with a fizzle. We'll hear about him again, though. Round four. After the departure of Wells Ike, Stan Thomas, who was the club's secretary, stood in as coach for the game against Geelong. However, um, there, there are some records that say this is the same Stan Thomas that played for Geelong the previous year and was suspended in a game against North Melbourne. For what? For, for a year, basically, for 18 matches. Yeah, it's not the same player. No. So I, with the help of some people on Big Footy on the forums there, we managed to discover this Stan Thomas was the secretary of the club. He'd been at North Melbourne for several years and could not have been also playing for Geelong at the same time. So it's a different Stan Thomas. Look at that, Timmy. Here mm. we are, not only just commentating about history, but changing it. Changing it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, in that game, North would lose to Geelong by eight points also. Yeah, well, they were quite unlucky, weren't they? Uh, I think... They lost four of their first seven games by less than a goal. Yeah. So unfortunate. They're kind of <laughs> similar to what they're doing now in the 2019 season as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Stan Thomas would end with a 100 100% losing record. From Great. With one game. So round five, Jerry Donnelly, who was also coach, was elected to take over the coaching role, um, and he is the second youngest head coach of all time. At 22 years of age, 295 days. <laughs> That's insane. Only older than Ray Brew, who had coached Carlton the previous year. Yes. And in that game, North went down to South by two points. Um, North's best result, as you said, Kaz, was their draw with Hawthorne in round 13. Yeah. 10 goals, 10 each. And North were lucky to even salvage that as they had to come from behind. Yeah. To get that, yeah. 
So yeah, we we did say that um, Wells Ike only managed to play four games for them that year, finishing yeah. in round five. They had they had thirty six players play for them that year, kicking a combined total of one hundred and fifty seven goals. As I said, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty after Metcalf's twenty six, which isn't would have been a great you know leading goal kicker score maybe a few years ago. But as we'll see by the rest of them, they are definitely coming up. Yeah, um, most of the other guys kicked less than ten. It wasn't pretty. Mm. So in 11th place, Hawthorne with three wins. Quite a, quite a difference there. One, that one draw, 14 losses and 66.4%. Yeah, so, yeah, Hawthorne. Another one of our newies still down the bottom, languishing away. Yeah. Same amount of wins as last year as well. Yep. Three, yeah, as we said, three. So captain by... Dan, captain coached by Dan Minogue. Yeah, so quite the coup in getting him. Yeah, getting him across from Richmond, especially you know when they're not travelling all that well. Yeah, we know never have. We know what Dan Minogue's like, just jumping from one team to another. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Minogue was injured after round one, wasn't it? Yeah, straight away. So Pat Burke took over as captain, and Minogue became their just non-playing coach for the rest of the year. Um, Their lead goal kicker was Bert Hyde with twenty-seven. This was the first of five consecutive years of him being their lead goal kicker, which is pretty impressive. Um, there, yeah, it wasn't a pretty year for Hawthorne. They lost sixteen in a row. Yeah, did they? Uh, or, or continuing on to ne- the next oh, so year they, as they well. They lost one more game. Yeah, because they had a they had a win in round two. Yeah, so they they then lost. Yeah, yep. after that, into it was the start of sixteen losses in a row for okay. them. Um, the was the, it? Yeah, they won three games this season, round two, and then, or maybe it was the end of it. Well, no, there was something there. Quite a ways into the next season, but it's, they're quite they're getting it right down low there now, and they're starting to settle in down the bottom. Yeah, the for yeah, the next yeah. Well, of years. I think for the next twenty-seven years, <laughs> they mainly finish either last or second last. Oh, that's unbelievable. Yeah, so after round seven, they don't win again. No, oh, sorry, so, no, they do. So round sixteen. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. No, there you go. Good. It said, it said there was that you know 16 lot. consecutive losses in a row. Yeah. Maybe it was leading on from the year before. Oh, okay, so it's going into next year. And going into next year. Yeah. There you go. So they're, st- they're starting the the thing. Yeah. Um, so the one the one game that I had to mention was the one against North at Glenferry Oval. And did you read about that team? The draw. The the, the the win in round one or the no. So winning round two or the. So there was, there was a win in, in round... No, it would have been two. the one right at the end of the season in August. Okay. So, yeah, which was the draw, right? Against North Melbourne? Against North, yeah. Yep. And all the play was confined to the wings and the flanks. Yeah. Because wow. they had started to dress the Glenferry Oval already for the cricket season. Ah, uh, okay. So they'd started to get it ready, which mean that, that meant the centre was, in uh, the commentator's words, a glue pot. <laughs> so they needed to stay out of it. They said it was like watching the under-19s in a, in a country league. It was pathetic. Yeah, they only 4,000 4, people watching. Yeah, they couldn't go anywhere near the middle of the ground. So, they, so they've so, started anyway, and they're, just, they're not really by yeah. choice. So they no, yeah, just that's it, yeah. And they just yeah well if they tried to go through the middle they were stuck there just the yeah. beginning of that whole cricket versus football that's it exactly and probably not the beginning I'm sure it's been going on since 19, 1858 um, also want to mention Ted Poole who arrived from Kalgoorlie as a debutante he would go on to play 200 games with the Hawks or the Maybloom's as they were called then yes 
Um, so round one, they had a 20-point loss to Carlton. Then Dan Minogue, as you mentioned, he injured himself. He re-agitated the knee injury that kept him out of most of the game for last season as well. And so round one was his last league game of football. Round two, to they managed to beat the Mabel. Uh, they managed to beat North by four points uh, in at Arden Street as well. Round four, in their loss to Richmond, Burt Hyde was a shining light, kicking six goals. He liked to use the punt kick, but Minogue was teaching him the place kick. Yeah. Place kick gives you uh, more range. Gives you a longer kick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Round seven I saw... I thought by this stage, the place, the place kickers was starting to lose... Yeah, it's, starting to get it's, less sta- less, it's starting yeah. to happen less and less. But no yeah. school, old but school I guess, coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan exactly. sees the value in it. It works. He played with, hey, he played with Dick Lee. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, round seven, they beat Fitzroy, an original VFL side. Woo! Um, by 15 points at Brunswick Street. I think this is their first win over a non- non-new new side. Yeah. yeah, against one of the originals. It's their grand final. And Bert Hyde continued this form in round nine, kicking seven goals against the Black Cats in a loss. Round 12, injuries were so bad at Hawthorne that 12 senior players were unavailable for the game and they only went down to Carlton by eight points. Round 16 was their best win for the year and also their last win. Over, They beat the Tricolours. Who are the Tricolours, Kaz? <laughs> <laughs> what? I was, I was looking at this. Yep, Tricolours. Uh, Try winning three. Yeah, I, I wanted to say... In the Latin. Yeah. No. I wanted to say St Kilda, but that's, I've never heard you call them that. No, it's, not, no, it's the Bulldogs. Uh, the Tricolours. I thought we'd already just talked about them. Haven't you listened to our Footscray special? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they beat them by seven points. They came from behind. Mick Ennis kicking four goals. And, yeah, that last win against uh, North Melbourne. No, that draw the against draw North against Melbourne North as well. Melbourne, yeah. That would then, yeah. So not, not a pretty year for the Hawks. They had 41 players play, which is quite a few and kicked 149 goals between them yeah. ugly <laughs> alright well let's let's talk about the tricolours now then Kaz in 10th place otherwise known as Footscray they're mighty tricolours with 4 <laughs> wins and 14 losses 69.9% and <coughs> unfortunately languishing down there too so again the new three finish bottom three yeah, well, which should be. Good for isn't surprising How at all is it yeah um, Got to earn your stripes in this league. That's right. It can't be easy. So, um, captained by Con McCarthy for the majority of the year for seven, uh, 16 out of the seven... Well, no. he, he played the first 17 rounds. He didn't yeah. play the last round. I, the article I found was yeah. dated 21st of August. Which would be right. Which said which was round 15, I believe. Oh, I would have thought that would have been round 16 or 17. Round 15. Okay. And he's saying he wants to hand over the captaincy to a younger yeah. player, which is like a succession plan that we yeah. see happening these days. I like it, yeah. So, yeah, he captained for the majority of the season until his retirement when Alan Hopkins took over. Um, and their coach was Jim Cassidy for the start of the season, coaching yep. the first eight games, Harry Saunders taking over for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Their lead goal kickers were an equal with um, Hopkins, who took over the captaincy, Alan Hopkins, and Les Chappell, both kicking 42. Um, they, yeah, they had an interesting start to the season mm. before even anything was really played. The president? Yes. Yeah, George Sayer. Very interesting. So, yeah, according to the league, as when they came in, there was a little clause in the contract saying that Sayer could never hold an official position with the club. Mm. And 
the league came to them and said that they would be ejected from the league if he wasn't removed. He immediately stepped down for the good of the club. But um, I read uh, somewhere in the in the Footscray advertiser, they meant they said or someone made the comment that he was dethroned by an autocracy as unprincipled as it is powerful. Mm. Which bitter. Well, there were some who thought that he was responsible for the bribes that saw Footscray win the twenty two flag and the twenty four championship in Victoria. So there you go. Yeah. Mm. So. Got Maybe man. you know. Well, not too I mean, dissimilar to John Wren, I'm sure. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Footscray advertiser probably not the uh, <laughs> the most bipartisan paper going around. No, so he was actually he was accepted as the president by the club, but the league wouldn't do it, so he was forced to resign. Yeah, straight away. And yeah, so, it's not a good way to start your season. No. So as I said, uh, yeah, Alan Hopkins and Les Chapel both kick 42. Then next closest was um, Frank Ackett with 12. So. Not great by them. They had 38 players play for them that year, 160 goals kicked. Yeah. Um, their first round wasn't win wasn't until round five. I saw them uh, get a 33-point win over Hawthorne, Hopkins kicking five in that. In round 9, 10, 11, Les Chapel kicked six, five, and five goals. The last two hauls and wins over St Kilda and North on his way to kicking 42 for the season. Yeah. And also with Alan Hopkins kicking 42 as well. Yeah. At least a goal in every single game. Hopkins kicked a goal in every game. Yeah. Fantastic. So having two players kicking 42, yeah. in, even in this day, is a good thing. Oh, absolutely. And yet they finished third last. Yeah. Uh, mm. And round 18, in the final win over Richmond, in the final round, Alan Hopkins kicked six as the Tricolours dominated from start to finish. Frank Dolly Ackhead won the most consistent player award and the highest award the club had before the best and fairest was introduced the following year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he played 16 of the 18 games and kicked 12 goals. Yeah, bloody good. Bloody good. That's what you want to see. Look, Footscray, I mean, they were probably the team touted to be the best of the new three coming in Mm. after they beat uh, Collingwood, wasn't it? Essendon. Yeah, sorry, of course it was. (laughs) (laughs) Essendon in 24, Yeah. at the end of 24. So, yeah, um, they probably would be disappointed with their first couple of years in. They finished 11th last year, so they've gone up a Yeah. And hopefully that will continue. Well, hopefully that'll continue as we go up. And following. <laughs> so now on to the originals, hey? That's right. And following that trend, where you would expect them to be in ninth <laughs> place is St Kilda with six wins and 12 losses at 75.8%. I really wanted to like Footscray until he started making fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so, captained by Bill Cubbins and coached by Norm Clark. Uh, uh, Hackenschmidt. 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 Yeah, I like to leave it for you to fill in. <laughs> um, their lead goal kicker was Jack Shelton with 47. <coughs> um, so, they had a couple of changes for well, the year. Well, they like Footscray as well. The season kind of started in controversy for them. Yeah. With Colin Watson. Yeah, so Colin Watson left. The yep. Brownlow winner of the previous year moved to stall for a business opportunity. Yeah. And that was the end of his VFL career. No, he came, but he comes back. Ah. Spoilers. He comes <laughs> back in a few years. Not this season, but in like the 1930s. Yeah, I th- in like six years. But I thought he came back to the VFA. Oh, no, he plays okay. in the v- he plays for St Kilda again. He comes back. But to, to okay. the supporters at the time, that's it. That's it. That's the end. Dead to them. Um, but yeah, he wanted to play up and stall and they refused to clear him. And the league got involved and said, no, nah, you can't. You can't, you can't play. Yeah. 
But he went up. He, he didn't go up there for footy. He no, went up some money. I mean, this is a late. This is getting into the later part of the twenties now, and we know the recession's yeah. pretty close. We know what Kazali did last year. Yeah. yeah. So if you're getting the money off it, I, you know, you can't begrudge these players for taking it. When no, it's absolutely not. After the family. Uh, sorry, so I interrupted you. No, no, about... that was that was that was what I was going to say. That it started with co- that controversy of him leaving, and uh, what else was I going to say? Um, uh, they had forty players play for them that year, kicking a combined one hundred and forty-five goals. Yeah, <clears throat> one of the new recruits included uh, Alex Proudfoot. Oh, I've heard that name before. Yes, we certainly. Yeah. Nephew of uh, Collingwood captain Bill. Billy Boy. Bill Billy Proudfoot. The, uh, the policeman who yeah. changed his name to Wilson and saved and the umpire back. in North Melbourne. Yeah. No, that's, no, no. That was a totally different person. Oh, sorry, I mean, yeah. yeah. Tim. He came in and he was a great player. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of Hackenschmidt, um, his coaching style was very old school, the way he handled the players and his belief in the of virtue of youth. So many veterans were surprised and frustrated by him, this being his second year in charge. Uh, round four after wins over South and Fitzroy, and then they had a narrow loss to Geelong by five points, I think, in round five. Um, there was renewed optimism at the Saints. High flyer, Jazz Legs Gambetta dominating in the halfback, and yeah, Mason, did. Billy Cubbins, and Shelton all started the season well. But then things kind of took a turn for the worse. They had a win over, Mel- over North Melbourne. And then Jazz Legs injured his knee and didn't play again. Billy Cubbins injured himself, and Horry Mason was suspended. So. If you look at their, the, wheels come off. the second half of their season, they had a seven-game stretch where they didn't win a game. Mm. Um, round 10, they played Footscray, and Jack Shelton kicked four goals from 14 attempts. That's not great. No. <laughs> That's not what you want to say. Um, and then there was a big meeting mid-season with the club, and they kind of decided to go with the youth policy. However, mid-season, uh, Wells Ike returned from North Melbourne. His business oh. couldn't, couldn't play for North, but his business allowed him to play for St Kilda, and they, they cleared him. Um, as a 32-year-old, he didn't really suit their youth policy, but was playing. Well, yeah. I guess he's a legend of the club. That's so. it. That's it. You need someone someone uh, yeah. taking control. Sell some hope. And then finally, they played a game in Geelong against the, uh, yes. the Black Cats. Lots of controversy in this game. Yeah, there certainly was. Well, so after the game... Hold on, can I... Okay. I'm going to go in-game in first. So May of St Kilda was injured... Because of his antics when manning the mark of Lloyd Hagger. He was dancing around trying to put Lloyd off the shot, and his, and his antics were so strenuous, he fell over and strained his ankle. <laughs> I love it. Um, and look, there's more to talk about this game, but I think we'll talk about it from the Geelong perspective because it kind of is more about them. Inside the game? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But after the, after game, the game, Jack Shelton was attacked by a supporter. Did you hear oh, about yes, this? Oh, yes, yeah. this is part of it, yeah. Yeah, so he was attacked by a Geelong supporter who pulled a picket. Yes, off the fence <laughs> and brandished it in Shelton's face. That's yeah. right, he did. So Shelton took it from him to try and level it out. Luckily, though, a mounted policeman saw the incident, took the picket yeah. from Shelton and herded him and a teammate into the rooms. Yeah. So he's ripped a picket <laughs> off the fence and brandished it in a player's face. I love it. But, yeah, well, let's leave the rest to the July. Find out. We'll find out why later. We yeah. I cannot wait. I'm feeling in this one. Okay, so going up to eighth place, Fitzroy. Oh, sunken back down again. On the roller coaster here, it's six wins and 12 losses, uh, which and also 86.1%. So, so that is uh, that is how the mighty have fallen. 
in this. Well, yeah, that's era. it. I mean, the the greats, okay. the greats. So yeah. they were captained by Bull Adams, Bill Bull Adams, mm. and coached again by Vic Belcher. Yeah, so he was back. He didn't coach them last year. But so he he had been their coach previously. Yes. Last year it was not him. It was uh, Chris Lethbridge. Lethbridge. Lethbridge, yeah. And now he's back. I got him back in. Um, and their lead goal kicker again was the uh, the one that got away, Jack Moriarty, with 48. <laughs> <laughs> what are the Dons doing, I'll tell you. No, the same old, same old mistakes. Hey, we, we won two flags. <laughs> no. I just, yeah. I don't know. We won quite a few flags. I've got to chuck We have won there. quite a few, Kaz. Yeah, you, you, you win a few and you make some great mistakes as well. Uh, yeah. Certainly do. So they had uh, 34 players play for them this year, kicking a combined 186 goals. So, yeah. Dolly Collins is back as well for the season after missing 25 through suspension the whole <laughs> season. So him, uh, Goldie, being a previous champion of the colony. If you remember yes. back in the days when we right. used to talk that's about right. that. That's right. He only managed to play nine games this season, Goldie. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He missed half the season through injury and suspension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Len Wincraft also missed quite a lot through injury too. Yeah, only managing six games, two goals mm. for Len. Uh, they won their round three game against Footscray by a solitary point. Footscray came home hard with the last five, uh, three goals, but the Maroons held on. Most people who left the ground thought the win was by three points, but the board tallies were incorrect. And when the umpires met afterwards, they... Uh, they were figured out. Well, thank God it didn't, turn, didn't actually change the result. No. <laughs> Uh, round 10, Goldie Collins was reported for striking Cecil Gomez in Fitzroy's loss to Essendon at Brunswick Street. He would be given eight weeks and miss the rest of the season. Oh, so, <laughs> so that's why he's, he's just throwing fists hey, he's, around. He's from the man's team. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Back in the days, they could just yeah, they could do that. That's right. uh, round 15, playing against St Kilda at, Bren, at Brunswick Street, Jack Moriarty had a day out. From 18 shots on goal, he kicked nine goals, six, and it must have been... A few out, a few on, out the, on, the, on the full, yeah. yeah. Or drop short, maybe. Uh, Billy McSpear, an ex-player, retired as treasurer after more than 30 years of service to the club. Um, and at the end of the season, the club also received a letter from East Fremantle Football Club asking for their rules and laws so they could uh, emulate the same excellent management of their their own club. There you go. So, and remember, Fitzroy is seen as one of the leaders yeah, were as, back then. As they should be. Well, they were the most successful team at this stage, too. They'd won the most flags. Yeah. Mm. And had consistently been in the finals up and up until you know yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Seventh place, Richmond. Oh dear, uh, with nine wins and nine losses, ninety-two point zero percent. So quite a ways off the top four there. Mm, very middling season for the yeah. for the Tigers for the Wasps. No, yes. they're Tigers. They're the Tigers. tigers. Yeah. yeah. Oh jeez. There's still people out there. That Love them as the wasps. Mm, interesting. Um, Getting up on the top of the tree. <laughs> very interesting uh, coaching things at Richmond this year as well. So Dan Minogue left at the very start of the year. Yeah. He granted clearance to Hawthorne, as we've spoken about. Yeah, and the job was taken by Mel Morris. Well, no. Originally, Phil Maston was appointed Richmond coach. So he'd been the coach of the WA State League for a few years. Uh, he coached in Castle, Maine, and he was he had quite the reputation as a champion coach. Mm. Um, but his permit to coach was rejected by the league. <sighs> rejected why? by the VFL. VFL. Here's why. So in the 21 and 24 state carnivals, you, you might remember the 24 one particularly, they just lost to Victoria, and Victoria had used those really rough tactics. to. Yep. I think they were maybe hacking at their shins, and there was a really rough game down in Tasmania. Um, he... 
as the coach of that team, openly criticised Victorian officials for the way Victoria had played. So, oh, got so they back. got their nose out yeah, of joint. Yeah, they got their nose out of joint. And they don't like him. That so, is just. So he was able to talk to some of the the team. Like he gave some blackboard lectures to them, but was not able to coach them. Okay. So then, uh, once he was denied, it was reported Mel Morris was favoured for the coaching yep. job, and um, took over as captain as well. Yes, he was appointed captain for the season. Um, so are we going to add any more about? Yeah, so they well that yeah I just had <laughs> captain coach Mel Mor- Mel Morris. Their lead goal kicker was Dave Lynch with thirty one. Uh, they had a fantastic debutante that year mm. by the name of Jack Titus. So I don't know whether you've heard of him. A young he plays, skin- a, few, he plays a few games, doesn't just he? a couple. <laughs> yeah. A young skinny man, skinny Titus. Um, so yeah, he he they only yeah had thirty four players playing for them. Titus being one of them. Uh, he managed. I'm just checking how many. You're just goals. opening a leather-bound book there, Tim. I am. I love it. I like that one. I'm just checking Where how, did ma- he play how many games he uh, played. Forward. Forward. Yeah. He ended up playing 295 games from 26 to 43. There. No, where is he? He's a uh, member of the Richmond Hall of, uh, team of the century. Yeah, still as a forward. Yeah, yeah as a full forward, I think it says. Yeah, beautiful. One of the greats. Um, now one of the other. Uh, new players for Richmond this year is Albert Borromeo. We might remember him as a Carlton player. Yes. Uh, sensationally got sacked by the club for causing dissension. Yeah, Bert. A very, yeah, a very Dick Condon thing to do. <laughs> so he is now playing for Richmond this season. Oh, good. Um, also, this is the second season for a future Team of the Century member, Basil McCormack, as well. We didn't mention, I don't think we mentioned him last episode. Sorry, I was searching for this for a while. It took me, but Jack Titus managed five games for the season, kicking one goal. So, uh, He's in there. Yeah, he's yeah. up and running. He's <laughs> up and running. Five out of his, what, 295, did you say? Yeah. yeah. Oh, only 290 to go. Yeah. Go, Jackie. <laughs> uh, so, pretty good start to the season. They won their first two and then had a loss. Round four, Damino coached against Richmond for the first time. And Richmond won, but the punt road crowd applauded him at three-quarter time. And uh, following the game, they presented an illuminating address to him. I love that. Yeah, that's very gentle. That's the way it should be. Yeah, yeah. respectful. Legend. Uh, now, Richmond player in round nine, Don Harris, was reported for throwing the ball at a Footscray player. <laughs> and well, there's a bit more of this that happens this season. He'd, he'd get two games for that. <laughs> Richmond won by 11 points. Uh, round 10, late in the game against Carlton, uh, Horry Clover was met hard by George Rudolph and taken from the field. Despite poor kicking, Richmond won by five points. Following the game, George Rudolph was disqualified for two matches for using obscene language in the Carlton game. Big crowd in that game, 32,000. Yeah. Uh, round 12, Lynch of Richmond, which I mean, we could be talking about now, couldn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Dave Lynch of Richmond kicked seven goals for the Tigers against South Melbourne, yet South win by five goals. What a big hole. Um, in August, in early August the 3rd, the players met to dispel rumours of player dissension and discontent with the coaching committee, and all that must have been cleared. And finally, round 15, Tom, o- Tom O'Halloran arrives at the game late against Hawthorne. The game had already started by the time he took the field, but Richmond would win by 33 points. Yeah, they, they smashed them in the end, didn't they? Yeah. So Never in doubt. Yeah, and going up to uh, sixth place, Carlton. Um, 11 wins, 7 losses. 106.5. Oh, some interesting Carlton stuff to talk about. Yeah, so Captain Coach Ray Brew. Yeah, again. The, yeah, again. The youngest the, ever coach. Yeah. yeah. The lead goal kicker, Horry Clover, with 38. And you just mentioned his name as, as well. Uh, 
which is an interesting one because halfway through 24, two years ago, he retired yeah. due to a serious illness. Yeah, well, he, he just couldn't play. Did he actually retire? Yeah, he retired. Okay. Yeah. He, well, yeah, he retired because he, cause we he couldn't play We had to say goodbye anymore. to him. Yeah, we said goodbye to Horry. <laughs> um, and he was made the secretary of the Carlton, of the Carlton Club yes. and a member of the umpire and permit committee of the VFL. Oh. But... You can't play and be on that committee, can you? Well, if he's retired, how is he the lead gold kicker? <laughs> no, so yeah, his, his health had improved enough for him to play and he played 78 more games starting in 26. Yes, yeah, so round, round two was his first yeah, game Yeah, finishing in 31. But can you really be, <laughs> can you be in charge, in <laughs> head of the committee and playing? No. And on the umpire and the yeah, committee. Yeah, yeah. So, so he had to be taken off the umpire's committee because he... <laughs> he was playing. Conflict of interest. Yeah, totally. Um, also, one of the debutantes was a player by the name of Harry Soapy Valance. Yes, Soapy. Soapy. Yeah, from Bacchus Marsh. Um, so he made his debut against Hawthorne at Glen Ferry. Round three, Cryo against Geelong. Headley Blackmore had a shot for goal in the last quarter that went through. The umpire was about to wave it through as a goal when the Geelong backman protested that he touched it. Field umpire Barlow said he'd take the Geelong player's word for it and call a point. <laughs> um, Alex Duncan I love it. was then reported for hurling the ball at Lloyd Haggart in frustration. Carlton lost the game by four points. You're kidding. <laughs> That's the best. Don't, you can't, that is outrageous. I touched it. But but you as a, as a player, and I remember doing this as a player as well, you, you always claim you touched it. Yeah, yeah. Even if you're 100 yards yeah. right. Yeah. Touched, it was touched. I got him. Did you hear that? And you, as an umpire, Kaz, you'd say that all the time as well. You always claim you touched Oh, it. you expect everyone's hands to throw up every time. If they don't throw their hands up, you're like, oh, come on, guys. Why didn't they come go up on. to the third umpire? <laughs> it would have made life easier. Good idea. Yeah. <laughs> Get it on the big screen. Um, so round four in the dying minute, Soapy Valance was given a free kick for interference from our own Roy Kazali. Uh He quickly kicked the ball to Norm Collins, who kicked the winning goal. Carlton won by five points. Excellent. Count the Turn it around. Uh, now, round nine against Collingwood. Carlton trailed by 15 at the half, but didn't show for the start of the second quarter. They didn't come back onto the ground. What? Carlton players waited for five minutes with the umpire furiously blowing their whistles, Kaz. So Collingwood didn't come back out? No. They, can't start, they started coming out in dribs and drabs over the next few minutes because apparently the team had new studs and with the bad weather, they'd swollen and all needed restudding. So the boot starter had been restudying their boots at halftime. That actually sounds legitimate. Mm. Mm. But I think you should, you'd still get fined for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. If I was the umpire, you'd start the game, wouldn't you, Kaz? Yep. Do you ever have that? Yeah. If a team's not out in time, do you have to do the right thing and wait? Or do you just is it like netball, you just start? No, yeah, you wait and probably they would get fined. Yeah, okay. there would be like a little repercussion for okay. that. Because yeah. you could use it as a tactic. If Absolutely. You to get the upper hand over something like that. It should be you just start. If they've got less players on the field, then it sucks to be you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, grab another pair of boots or go barefoot or who knows. Um, so Carlton came back to win <clears> this game by 21 points. Um, after Carlton beat them and it was appalling conditions, uh, two trams full of supporters collided on Ligon Street. 26 people taken to hospital, both trams so crowded that people were hanging off, standing on the steps. Jeez. Injuries included abrasions, electric shock, bruised ribs, head shock, dislocated shoulders. Oh, my God. Yeah, so an eventful day there uh, playing Collingwood. Yeah, one, there was one game where I, I, was. I threw up the ball to start, and um, for some reason, no one went up noticed. For it. And it just went up and <laughs> on the ground. And did they play on? Yeah. Um, no, I was like, oh, shit. You know, so then I picked it up and, and did it again. Went again. Yeah, and then I got in trouble. 
Oh. He's like, that, that happens, just leave it. And I was like, I, I wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Round 10, Punt Road against Richmond. Carlton came up against ex-teammate Bert Borromeo. Remember the bad blood there? Bad blood Bert. Yeah, five-point loss. It was blamed on injury with Clover losing a few teeth and Widow receiving a broken nose, both courtesy of Borromeo. Oh. Really? <laughs> Revenge. Round 14, Horry Clover kicks an awesome goal from the centre of the ground to get the Blues over the line against Geelong. 82-75. In this game, Les Widow flew for a spectacular mark. He spun in the air, somersaulted and fell with his arm doubled under him and fractured his elbow. Um, he was taken to Melbourne Hospital. It was discovered he had a tetanus infection. Yes. Owing to traces of cow manure because the ground yeah. had been used for cows during the week. And sadly, he passed away painfully nine days later. Yeah. 23 years old. Yeah. Shocking. And remember Carlton lost the player a few seasons ago as well. Yeah. During training. So this is another tragedy to hit them. Not cool. Not cool at all. Um, they, they won their round 16 clash against Fitzroy, but lost the last two games of the season to Essendon and Collingwood. And this put an end to their season. Mm. Quite, awful. The, quite the dampener as well. Mm. Clover sounds tough as now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, fifth place, South Melbourne, with 12 wins, 6 losses, and 118.9%. Just missing out on the finals. Yeah, that's right. Poor old South. So, captain coached by Charlie Panham. Finally! Yes, he's in! He can finally play! Yeah, it's been three years. <laughs> he hasn't played since the 1922 grand final. Panham watch. <laughs> I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, I totally forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. Um, and their lead goal kicker was Ted Johnson with 44. Uh, second highest was Paul Cameron with 28. And then third was a name we recognised, Roy Kazali with 23. Back, back from the bush. Back from Minyip. Back from Minyip. Here he is. Welcome back. Uh, so they had 30 players play, 193, goal, uh, 193 goals altogether. So, yeah. Better than uh, good, previous Good year years. for them. Charlie Panham managed 14 games for the year. Good to have him back. Absolutely. A few yeah. interesting recruits as well. Tom Drummond from Collingwood being one of them. Uh, others including Danny Whelan, Harry Clark, who would go on to be one of their Team of the Century members, and Hector McKay. Yeah, well, um, Harry Clark only played one game this year, but, uh, you know, he's over. He's there. He's there. Mm. So, an up-and-down start to the season by South... Started with a loss to Richmond at Lakeside Oval by eight points. Uh, getting Panham back was a big boost, even though they lost to Carlton in that game in round four. Mm. Finally, round five, they had a second win for the season, beating North Melbourne, although they found them a bit of a hard nut to crack, Kaz. Yeah. Um, they beat them despite kicking less goals, beat them by two points. <laughs> uh, then between round eight and 16, they really got their act together and won nine in a row. So in round 12... Because they had a really good system set up and they were winning lots and they just finally worked it out. So round 12, they came from behind to beat Richmond. Joe Scanlon, Charlie Panham, Ted Johnson were awesome. South piled on eight goals, four in the final quarter to take the game from Richmond, 108 to 75. Round 15, a win over Carlton in this game should have moved them into fourth, but Essendon had also won and leapfrogged over over South Melbourne. So a real battle with Essendon here south of that last spot. Round 17, they had a costly one-goal loss to Collingwood at home, which really put that 
fight for the finals in danger. That was it. So it was there was it round came down to round eighteen. Eighteen massive, the classic, but yeah, early but final between Essendon and well, South Melbourne between Essendon and South. So the winner they, going into the finals. Well, they needed to win by more than four goals. They did. They needed to for the percentage. Well, it needs to be a six goal win actually. At, six goal win at Windy Hill. Not a um, tough ask. Sorry, it is a tough ask. As well. Massive ask. Um, and they, they managed to get the points. One by three. But points. not the percentage. Yeah. They only got the three points. So they needed to, yeah, they needed to win by a bit more, unfortunately. It was, however, their first win at Windy Hill. Oh, well, take something out yeah, of it. I suppose you do. Absolutely. Um, now, South awarded the best and fairest for the first time ever, won by Kazali. Yes. And also, he was awarded the JP Steel Trophy, worth 10 guineas, for best player of the season, as voted by the players. And so, yeah, this is... that is... like an MVP like that we have now, the Lee Matthews players MVP? Oh. Is it, would it be similar to that? It sounds similar. It does sound similar. Well, um, it sounds like... JP Steele. There was another one that was around in earlier that were in the 23 and 24 that he won, which was voted by the papers, remember? Yeah. Mm. Um, so, I don't know. No, I don't know. I would assume so if it's voted by the players. What did you say be. it was for? Uh, best player of the season. Just best. Voted by players, yeah. Just, yeah. No, yeah. That, that, that's pretty general, so it could encompass other things. like. Yeah. Just biggest legend. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as you said, Essendon in fourth place with in five wins, six losses. That's right. 124.3%. So, yeah. So they just, yeah, South just couldn't bridge that 6% to uh. get over them. And that's been happening the last a few times in the last. It few has, seasons, hasn't it? Yeah, those last games they get the points, but not the not the percentage. Yep. Or someone leapfrogs in. Yep. It's good. It keeps it interesting. Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, so cat, captain coached by Frank Maher, and their lead goal kicker was Greg Stockdale with thirty six. Yeah. Um, it was a tricky year for the for the same olds this year. They had quite a few stars leave at the beginning yeah. of the year, didn't so they, Timmy? Fred Barring, Charlie Farrell, Charlie Hardy, Tom Jenkins, Roy Liang, George Rao, Jimmy Sullivan, all gone. Yeah. Like, that's a massive chunk of experience. Huge. They players. they managed yeah. to stay quite consistent, though, with only 31 players playing for them that year. So they sort of they filled those gaps. Hey, they won their and, first five. And obviously pretty well, yeah. They're kicking, kicking a combined 205 goals for the year. Yeah, so their first five, they beat North, Collingwood, Richmond, Footscray and St Kilda. And Collingwood at Victoria Park as yeah, well. Yeah, which is massive. Uh, they had a game clear on top after round five, and then they lost the next four. <laughs> Slumped to seven. Uh, round eight, Greg Stockdale moved back to full forward from the half-back line, and the team won eight of their next nine. So that was a... Oh, masterstroke. Yeah, must yeah. have been. Between round 12 and 13, a strong Essendon team travelled to Hobart. To oh, yeah? take on the combined Hobart team. And how did it go for them? We were beaten by 15 points in the wet and muddy conditions. <laughs> oh. The game descended into an ugly one with Bill Hudd and another Hobart player throwing the fists around. Mm. George Stockdale also punched the Hobart captain. <laughs> Good on him. Good measure. Uh, round 15, they so they came back from that trip and they were able to win in round 15 against the Tricolours. What team's that, Cutters? <laughs> the mighty Bulldogs. Yeah. Oh, no, they're not the Bulldogs. The now. Great, yeah. Stockdale, Stockdale kicking six. I mean, punching, punching a captain in the face, not slowing him down. <laughs> uh, in, they played a must-win match against Carlton in round 17, defeating Carlton by nine points. And as we said before, that, that spot in the finals coming down to the last yep. round. They basically had it sewn up. Losing to South, yeah. but not by the required yeah. six goals. So they did well. They did well yep. scraping into the finals. Those premierships. Yeah. Made, our, made our, our presence known in Hobart. That's right. it. That's right. <laughs> and then 
skimmed back off to the mainland before charges could be pressed. In yeah. <laughs> <laughs> third, Melbourne, with uh, 14 wins and four losses. Uh, Melbourne. <laughs> what am I doing? At 146.4%. The mighty fuchsias. You betcha. All right, so how, how long do we need to talk about Absolutely. Yeah. Where, this is coming, Tim. Guys, uh, how long do we have? Settle in. Uh, no, so captain coached by the great man, Bert Chadwick. Yes. He's been uh, been around since we came back from the wall. Only 20 he came he back. He saw yeah. a couple of years of no wins or really very few wins. <laughs> he, he, would you call him the Nathan Jones of the era? He's the players? Nathan Jones of the era, yeah. absolutely. Great player. Great man. Yeah. Lead goal kicker was um, Harold Moyes with 55. We also had Harry Davey and... Bob Johnson Senior kicking 50. Yeah, three so of the top 10. Three of the top kickers. 10 goal kickers coming from Melbourne. Uh, we had some great, great guys come and start their careers with us that this year, including uh, Reg Hickey, Bob Johnson, who I just Reg mentioned. Reg Hickey? Huh? Geelong's Reg Hickey? Reg Hickey? No. <laughs> Melbourne's Reg Hickey? Was there a Reg Hickey? Oh, we need to get the encyclopedia out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry no. to throw you there. Whoa. No, you have. You've thrown me around. That was your intention, wasn't maybe it? I've, maybe I've put this in the wrong place. Red. So, and uh, what did Reg Hickey Because Reg do? Hickey made his debut for Geelong this year. Yep, I've put it in the wrong place. Okay. There you go. Not yep. Reg. Not Reg. We didn't need him. Stop him. <laughs> uh, Bob Johnson Sr., who was the first year in desk kick 50, uh, and who Bert Chadwick described as the best mark of all time. We also had Whoa. Pop Vine play for us in one game, one game this okay. year, start that, of right? his great career. Um, we will talk about that. So we, we might be able to find a picture of Bob Johnson if we if we Google it. We, uh, is that, and he's a famous a Melbourne hope. name as well. His family's Pop Vine, yeah. yeah. Not not Bob Vine, Johnson. Bob Johnson, Bob Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. so junior played that. as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we managed third place. We had a better percentage than second place, though, due to a couple of fantastic wins including round nine against Hawthorne, where we won by 141 <laughs> points. Yes, yeah. so we're kicking a lot of goals. There. Hoping the... that that might continue on for this weekend's game, Melbourne versus Hawthorne at the G. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see. And, yeah. Um, so, Timmy, what do you have for us? Uh, all right, round one. They played St Kilda for the, th- for the first game for the third consecutive year. Red Legs taking a 2-1 advantage with a comfortable victory. So, of those three first-round games, they've won two of them, lost one. Yeah. Um, Johnson Taylor, Juan Smith are among the best. Chadwick suffered a leg injury um, and left him pretty useless after half-time and kept him out till round nine. Mm. Uh, round two, despite a handy lead going into the last quarter against Carlton, Melbourne were run down in the last to lose by 11. In this game, Ivor Warren Smith was taken to hospital to have his eye, which was as big as an egg, treated. (laughs) Harry Coy also received a broken nose. Round three, they had a solid win over North Melbourne with both Harry Davey and rookie Harry Moyes kicking four each. Uh, This kicked off a 10-in-a-row winning streak over North Melbourne. Their third greatest winning streak ever over North Melbourne. That's great. Yeah, I thought you guys would enjoy that. Yeah, I like that, especially because the, that. because of the the recent, recent yeah. yeah times, which is the opposite. Well, is it good? To, it's good to know that this is the third longest winning streak. There's two others that are better good, that we're yeah. yet to get to. Oh, there's round, a lot to like about this season. <laughs> round four in a seesawing affair at Victoria Park, Melbourne hit the front early in the last quarter through Davy. But the Pies had something in reserve and they took the lead back almost immediately. Before Melbourne went ahead again with two points to difference, Collingwood went back in front and held the lead. 
Winning by five. You should have got back within five points late in the game and were attacking as the bell rang and couldn't get in front. Unfortunately. So that was their ninth win well in a row, I think. Or tenth win in a row. Collingwood, Collingwood. over the over Melbourne. Yep. Mm. Round yeah. five, Harry Davies kicked nine as Melbourne beat the uh, Tigers at the G by 33. Little Harry Davies. Little Harry Davies. What a bloody legend he was. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, round eight saw something momentous, so they had a sick. Well, they had a win over Essendon at Windy Hill, but that <laughs> yes, that's they did. the point. It was their fourth, their first four-game win streak since 1915. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Yep. See, things are turning around now. Back, let's get to that round nine thumping win over Hawthorne. Tins. Isn't it You're unbelievable? Well, Melbourne, the May, sorry, the Maybloom's, the Maybloom's, cuz no, <laughs> the Maybloom's, the Hawks, one goal seven for the day. Yeah, Two was... behinds after half-time, with Melbourne kicking 21 goals, 28 themselves. Abs- not a score in the third quarter, while <laughs> Melbourne piled on seven goals, eight. Yeah, so in the yeah, third. Melbourne's second and third quarters are devastating at the moment in this area. Harry yeah. Moyes is said to have kicked one goal, seven at, at one stage of the game before kicking six. Yeah. Um, and this was their biggest ever score until 1937. And only seven, seven and a half thousand people got to enjoy it. If I could go back in time, I'll tell you what. That's, that's where you'd go. You'd go to that game. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Out of all the points in history, I'd probably go to a grand all, final. So of all the Melbourne games, you'd go to this one. 141-point <laughs> win. Yeah. That's true. But, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't go to a grand final. I de- I'd definitely go to the... The, the 58? Yeah, yeah. I reckon it would be. There's not that many people. No, there, 57. <laughs> 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 or 64, their, uh, their late win. Um, in the round 10, they lost to Geelong, but one of the highlights was Charlie Streeter, who kept Lloyd Hagger goalless for the first time since 1924. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's an absolute superstar. In round 12, the last real highlight for Melbourne until we get to the finals, Melbourne smashed St Kilda by 89 points, kicking nine goals, four to one point in the second quarter. <laughs> So they're, they're having some devastating yeah, quarters. quarters. Yeah, and then just sort of keep maintaining for the rest yeah. of the game. That would be electric to watch, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Would just uh, yeah, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> Tim, I really admire your your spirit there. Thank you for that. That's all right. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So managing, I mean, I think we'll, we'll continue on. the t- The top two were unstoppable throughout the home and away season. So. There was a there's a bit of daylight between the rest of the the rest of us and first and second, really. Yeah. At this point, which leads us on to who did finish second, which is Gaz. which is the Black Cats Geelong with 15 Geelong. wins and three losses, 145.2. And Tim, next time there's something wrong with um, Essendon, we might not hang it on you as much now because of that <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Lovely portrayal of Melbourne. Had to do it. What did you want me to do? <laughs> no, it was good. I liked it. Um, Geelong. <laughs> so, captain coached by Cliff Rankin again. Premiership captain. Yes. Premiership Raining captain premiers. coach. Reigning premiers. Their lead goal kicker was Lloyd Hagger with 56. As we said, Whoa. you know, he's pretty unstoppable. And, uh, I mean, you can't really say much more. It was an almost perfect season, wasn't it? Only three <laughs> losses. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Mm-hmm. Reg Hickey made his debut for, for Geelong. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Round one, thousands turned out to see Mrs. Piper, the wife of the club president, oh. unfurl the club's flag. And was that one of their and three losses? Go. It was not. <laughs> no. The Black Hats had a strong win over Footscray to avoid the curse of the president's wife. Good on Rankin him. and Hagger both kicking four. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I did, I did just say Haggy kicked 56 for the year. Rankin was only just behind him with 49. Yeah. Again, so that's why Geelong's so dominant as well. They've got two players in two the top, gra- yeah, you know, exactly. top goal kickers. So that's a big... If you have, if you can have that in this day or even now, yeah, you can have multiple big goal kickers and that then goes you, a long yeah. way. Uh, round six, Reg Hickey made his debut. He'd go on to play another 244 games. For Melbourne. For Melbourne. <laughs> 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 Round eight, Lloyd Hager kicked eight goals in a 46-point win over Hawthorne. Round nine, Cliff Rankin suffered a serious accident yes. when riding his bike. During the week. It, it's the fork of basically his bike snapped broke. in half. Yeah. And received serious abrasions. I like, yeah, and this that, prevented him playing well against Fitzroy. He still played. No, he played well. He, he, he kicked six. <laughs> his wrist um, Oh, infection. my report said he didn't play well. He only kicked six. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he only kicked six. Well, that, that was the report I, I saw. Let me... <laughs> I'll, I'll check that. You keep going. By right. his lofty stand. Round 10, Henry Harrison came to Geelong with the visiting Melbourne team and he quipped to them, oh, you have a splendid team. It's better than the one I captained when I was down here about you know, several years ago. <laughs> then someone asked how long and Henry replied, oh, about 50 or 60 years. <laughs> yeah. Round 13, okay, back to that game against St Kilda. So we talked about it earlier. The, uh, we talked about what happened afterwards. But what happened in the game that yes. created such a reaction? So, the game was out of St Kilda's reach as the game was winding down. Late in the game, Arthur Rayson took a mark in the clear and the St Kilda man came in late with his knees, knocking Rayson over. He was taken from the field short of breath and was taken to the hospital and found to have two broken ribs and uh, they were affecting his lungs. This is the incident that incited the crowd to then have a go at uh, Jack, uh, Jack Shelton yeah. and grab the picket. Mm-hmm. Get one back. Yeah, okay. Interesting. All right. So maybe, you know. And then the last point I've got here do you have anything more on that incident? I do, it was Cliff Rank, sorry, it was Cliff Rank in the kick six goal. He did kick six <laughs> against Fitzroy. I just wanted to make sure that I had that right. No, no. the report I said prevented him from playing well. So, so yeah, I mean, maybe he only had very, six, ki- very six goals from six kicks. From six and that was kicks. It. <laughs> very lofty standards from this report. <laughs> no, I had no more on that incident. Okay. Yeah, no. Uh, and finally, round 15 against North Melbourne at Corio. In the first quarter, Lloyd Hager hit the post twice in succession. And then, to the amazement of onlookers, Todd of Geelong also hit the same spot. So there was three posters in a row. Postmaster General would yeah, be going turning off. in his grave. He would. If the Postmaster General was around then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was like... one. Yeah, Probably. Yeah. yeah. And in first spot, guys. The mighty Collingwood. Winning the McClellan Trophy? <laughs> Not that year they went. No. It wasn't a thing yet. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to kick the dog so hard. So uh, 15 wins um, and three losses. 149.3%. Oh, God. <laughs> Again, an unbelievable season. Well, they were filthy after losing last year. Yeah. And they pretty much put the pressure on saying this is our year we are winning the flag this year this is it and they so they had some uh, had some new players join them this year who would be end up being fantastic players Harry Collier yep uh, Jack Albert who yeah uh, Albert Collier who started yeah a year before Um, Jack Beveridge started so this is the spine of the machine Jack Beveridge who we know as Luke's grandfather Oh, Luke Beveridge being the uh, tricolours coach. At the moment. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm aware of that. Um, but th- this is what I live for. This this thing here where the yeah, yeah, the connections. Yeah. There you That's go. Cool. I didn't I I didn't uh, put that together. So yeah, this is the this is the the meat of the the machine yeah. that is yeah. starting here. Um, 
They were captained by Charlie Tyson and coached again by Jock McHale. And their lead goal kicker was Gordon Coventry with 83. Yeah, including oh, finals. Including so finals. 78 for the home and away season. Yeah, well, oh, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but their second highest goal kicker was Harry Collier with 32. And 80, 83 goals as well beats the previous best record by one. Yeah, amazing. Um, yes. But when do Although we... there's an extra round this year as well. Yeah, so it does, yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? But yeah, well done. Well done, Gordo. Uh, 29 <laughs> players played, 246 goals combined between them. Um, there is a little bit of news, but we might leave it until we talk about the finals okay. that I had there. I so... wanted to say, um, we know when we were growing up, um, teams would get judged on, you know, they could play well, but would they stand up in finals? Were they a good finals team? And um, That still yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose it does, does it? Yeah, Col- yeah. yeah Colin. Yeah, well, well I mean, they? Essendon haven't won a final since 2004, I think. There's an yeah. annoying Twitter account, like, days since Essendon's won a final, it just goes up every day. <laughs> when, by annoying, That's do annoying. you mean hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Who's currently bottom of the ladder? <laughs> Isn't it North Melbourne? <laughs> no. Damn it. Yeah, what? I thought it was. <laughs> Oh, it is an average. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I know you can't stop Gordon Coventry, but uh, if he's kicking a lot of the goals, maybe uh, there's... And, you know, Melbourne's got a lot of spread and a lot of run and carry, and they can yeah, kick but him from anyway. Going back to what you're saying, Kaz, you're absolutely right. If you can't stand up in the finals, and mm. then what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, yeah, and Collingwood haven't won a grand final since 1919. They've oh. they failed to win a, final, a grand final twice in 22. They couldn't do it last year against Geelong, so they're really... They're their support right. is expected of them. That's right. Yeah. Mm, that hurts. So round one, they had a good test of their skills early with a good thumping win over arch rivals Fitzroy. Then at home, they lost the next week to the Bombers. 31-point winners to the Bombers. Hey. Round hey. three saw the debut of Harry Collier and another player who didn't play a lot, but I liked his name, Bill Sneezewell. <laughs> <laughs> he played three seasons, but he wouldn't play in the grand final. Um, round five, after two early goals, the Pies trailed the Cats um, at Carrio. Six goals to two at half time. McHale was beside himself, raged at his players. And very, very inaccurate. 2 11. There you go. Yeah. So he urged his players to exploit the wind in the next quarter or perish and use the wind they did, Charlie. They certainly did. 8 4 after that to win the game by seven points, despite oh. not scoring at all in the last quarter. 8 4 to Geelong's one point in the third in the quarter. Third quarter. Oh. And then they didn't score. So that wind was obviously a huge yeah, massive. benefit. Uh, then, round nine, they got jumped by Carlton early and couldn't catch up. We talked about that game because there was the uh, tram accident afterwards. Yeah. Mm. Uh, round 13, they had a win over Essendon at Windy Hill. Captain Charlie Tyson was suspended for four weeks for throwing the ball angrily at Essendon player Charlie May. I love how these things four sort weeks. of happen all, all together. <laughs> it's a season of yeah, ball, yeah, throwing. ball throwing. We've had the rock throwing, the and, ball throwing. Oh, Unless it's one of those things where the, the umpires decided to crack down on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's been happened heaps. Yeah. Um, ball struck the back of May's head. Tyson believed May had shoved him into the fence over the boundary. There's speculation. Who knows if it did or didn't. He got, he got four weeks for that. Um, and then round 16, uh, the reverse happened to them against Geelong at home. The Pies falling 97 to 64. However, they finished, what was it, 0.8%. I don't know. 8, uh, they 3%. 3% ahead, yeah, yeah. on the ladder. Um, so the citizens of Collingwood booked the town hall for celebration at the end of the season to raise the flag. The town hall was booked. To raise the, to raise the, grand, the, flag. the flag for the winning the grand final. Yep. Oh, oh that's it's like the 1900 when Fitzroy booked the bus afterwards to celebrate yeah. their three-peat. And again, who are the party poopers? <laughs> yes, the that's how we do it. 
So you don't. If you're playing Melbourne in the grand final, you don't pre-prepare. No, that's it. Never. All right. Well, let's go out to our big red to hear his roundup of the other league. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks, big red. Big Red's local footy roundup for your state and suburban football action, sinking our teeth into grassroots football. G'day lads and welcome to Big Red's roundup for the 1926 season from around the grounds. First, let's take a look at the sandful. The 1926 grand final was played between competition rivals Sturt and Port Adelaide. The game was a fiercely fought contest between the two sides and saw a score of 64 to 51 in favour of Sturt. Both teams were the outright dominant teams of the season, losing only four games apiece and were very hard to score against with very low scores against them throughout the season. The game saw 30,000 people make it to the Adelaide Oval for the showdown that ended with a 13-point win to Sturt, who are also affectionately known as the Double Blues. Sturt were the runner-up in the 1923 and 24 seasons and were relieved to get the result in 1926 as it was the club's first premiership since 1919 and the third in the club's history since 1897. H.B. McGregor from West Adelaide was the dominant player of the season, winning the McGarry Medal in a side that only won 50% of its games for the year and missed the finals. And from all accounts of what I can find, it was a truly dominant uh, individual season for Mr. McGregor. McGregor also hailed from the Broken Hill Football League, where he was also a league medalist in the 1922 season before West Adelaide quickly recruited him. But not before Norwood and the 1926 runner-up, Port Adelaide, were snubbed by McGregor. McGregor uh, will certainly feature in further episodes of the Roundup as he has a long and relatively successful career in the Sandfall. To Tasmania, where Canada won back-to-back flags and their eighth premiership in the history, uh, capping a truly dominant decade for the club. While Launceston and Latrobe were back on the winners list in their respective leagues after both winning the 1924 seasons but missing out in 1925. To Queensland, where Brisbane won their fourth premiership and only their fifth season in the competition and are starting to make a real name for themselves. Over in Western Australia and in the Waffle, the 1926 season saw East Perth claim their sixth premiership in a period of waffle history that is long remembered as East Perth's most dominant period, which was between the years of 1918 and 1928 seasons. Seeing that, seeing that we're only in the 1926 season, we'll actually be seeing more from East Perth in the coming episodes of the Roundup. The 1926 Waffle Grand Final was played between East Perth and Subiaco in front of a modest 9,000 spectators at the Wacker. This game was actually the last game, last grand final ever played at the Wacker. But the game actually saw the East Perth Royals win convincingly by over 50 points over the Subiaco, Subiaco Lions. The Royals full forward, Bonnie Campbell dominates the game with four goals to finish an impressive individual season for him. Bonnie Campbell wins the Bernie Naylor medal for the leading goal kicker in the Waffle with 89 goals for the season, which was a record at the time. It was also Campbell's third time winning the award kicking 47 goals in 1922 and 67 goals in the 1924 season. The winner of the Sandover medal was from the 1926 season's runner-up from Subiaco, Johnny Leonard. Leonard has a great career with Subiaco and was eventually recruited to South Melbourne in the VFL as the club's captain coach of the 1932 season, playing in 12 games. 
His coaching saw the Bloods make their first finals appearance in more than a decade, and which is a stat I'm sure the Kick to Kick boys will mention when we get to the 1932 VFL season. Leonard only stayed on for one season before returning to Perth to find or in search of work, but he continued to forge a very strong coaching career, which eventuated in an Australian Football Hall of Fame induction in 1996. To the VFA, where Coburg, in only their second season in the competition, win the Premiership, beating Brighton in front of 15,000 fans at the Motodrome. Coburg had only had their colours lowered on three occasions for this entire season. The final scores in the grand final in the VFA were Coburg 12-9-81 to Brighton 9-11-65. Walsh from Brighton kicked five of the team's nine goals and was a great individual display for him and took his season tally to 91 goals and was the association's leading goal kicker. While William Bluey Summers won the Recorder Cup for the association's best player. And lads, that's Big Red's Roundup for the 1926 season. Until next time, kick straight. All right, thank you. Good to know. Big Red. All right, some state games. Um, I'll go through these quickly. Victoria defeated New South Wales on June 12th. South Australia also defeated the Victorian team. Um, there were quite a lot of games. June 24, and, like there were two weekends set aside. So Victoria played... They beat New South Wales. They beat Bendigo. Ballarat beat them. West Australia beat them twice in a few days. Um, then Victoria beat South Australia and Tasmania. And we also, and I say we as Victorians, um, Victoria defeated Wimmera by three points. First time we played Wimmera. Yeah. And they also defeated a combined Ovens and Murray team oh. by 16 points. Well, strong legs. Strong. Yeah. 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 So quite high scores in those games as well, whereas when we played South South Australia, they only scored 29 points. Yeah. Nice to see Ballarat still strong. Yeah, they've got a win over us. So. Yeah, but I mean, if we're playing if you know, versus New South Wales, Bendigo, Ballarat, WA, all on the same day, that's you know Victoria spread into three, four yeah, teams. So that's right. What's the quality of, are you making an A and a B and a C and a D team, or are you, making, are you spreading your team yeah. evenly? How would you make that? I mean, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, or and do you stack your B team just to make sure they win? I was going to yeah. say. Or do you do it a bit based on the opponent? So if you're playing Western Australia, do you just go, let's stack this because we hate these guys and we want to beat them? Yeah. Exactly. We're playing Tasmania. Uh, who really? We'll be all right. Yeah. If we lose to them, it doesn't matter. Um, all right, let's also talk about the Brownlow because that got awarded before the finals happened. Wednesday, ah. 16th of September, the Brownlow was awarded. It certainly was. Any reason why uh, the change? Uh, well, the previous Obviously two years, I think sense. it had been after the finals. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't. No, okay. No. No. Um, the winner was though, Melbourne the great man champion Ivor, Ivor Warren Smith. Smith. Oh, get out of yeah. here! He played 17 of 18 games, missing only round 17. Kicked 17 goals for the season. Great sentiment. 28 years of age. He was a clerk by profession. Um, so yeah. we talked about this. I think Respect. last episode. It's only one vote per game. One vote per it? game. Yeah. So he got nine best on grounds. Unbelievable. Out of 17 games. Mm. Next, Pretty bloody good. The next closest were Kaji Greaves, Bob Johnson, also Melbourne, and Alan Geddes with five best on rounds. Kaji Greaves. They're all pretty good. Again, still, you know. So if you put Warren Smith and Johnson together, two Melbourne players, that's 14 best on grounds from the 18 games they played. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And Bob Johnson mm-hmm. says a debutant. He's a debutant this year. Champion. <laughs> Pretty unbelievable. Yeah. So Warren Smith, Melbourne champion. Glad he came back to Glad Melbourne, he, yeah. not Richmond. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wouldn't let him go. 
Um, and yeah. also continues that. And he's, he's, he's reaped the rewards of his efforts. Now he's won himself a That's Brownlow. right. And this is the first example as well of a... Uh, Brownlow medalist. A, a Brownlow medalist playing in... Well, who will play into the grand final as well. Because Geelong didn't make the grand final. Well, Colin Watson won it last year. Yes, but Geelong... The year before was... was Kaji Graves. Yeah. But they didn't make the granny that year, no, did they? No, they did they? not. No. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Is the Brownlow medal, Kaz. Yeah, and it's fit, fitting... the way it... Sorry. Yeah, it feels the way it normally does. Yeah. And um, I like the music that we play over it. It's actually the music from The Untouchables. Yeah. We were talking about Al Capone. Just earlier, before, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it all fits together. Let's get into these finals then. Let's talk about the finals. So we're still in the amended Argus system, meaning that the per, the team who finishes on the top of the ladder gets a second chance. Right of challenge. Ridiculous. Rubbish. But anyway, let's move on. We're, we're not far off it. No, Maybe. we're not. We're getting closer. I can stop bitching and moaning reasonably soon. <laughs> Um, so, meaning Collingwood have a second chance. But they aren't the first final. The first final is Essendon against Geelong. So Essendon, who just made it into the finals on percentage. Hey, and, but with great finals experience. Abs- oh, we lost all those oh, players. Yeah, though, yeah, so. yeah, that's well, they, it. They so not so much it. finals experience. No. First Geelong, who've lost three games for the year, looking strong, looking, to, go, premiers. looking to back it up. Again, at the G... On the 18th of September, in front of 50,662 people. <laughs> Timothy, what happened? So I was also going to add that uh, champion goal kicker for wrestling, Greg Stockdale, injured his knee during the week and was ruled out. Oh, so, no. so your avenue to goal has disappeared. No, so they had to move Jack Foster from centre-half forward to full forward, Norm Beckton to centre-half forward. But it worked a treat. It certainly Foster did. Foster kicked five, Beckton four. Of course it did. Uh, they came out swinging 5-5 five, five in the first to Geelong's 2-3. Chuka May took out uh, Kaji Greaves. Yeah. Oh, did he? Chuka. Yeah. yeah. Charlie Chuka May. We'll hear more about him yeah. and his, uh, his interesting tactics. He's, he's the one who t- Charlie Tyson threw the ball at as well. So. <laughs> yeah. He's he likes one. to push the boundary, yeah. Charlie Tyson. <laughs> Obviously. Uh, Charlie May. Chuka, mate. Yeah. Chuka. Um, so, halftime almost even again. Only two points. Essendon seven, only five. in it by two points. Um, but then just off they went and Essendon went out, ran out clear winners by 47 points, 17-15, to 10-10-70. 47 point thumping. 47 point thumping at the G. That's right. And Geelong's want to do the double is donezo. Bye-bye. Then we have the second semi. A week later. A week later. Melbourne, who Me- they, playing Collingwood, who they couldn't beat last year. Couldn't beat this year Haven't either, yeah. 11 attempts. 11 attempts. Yeah. In front of 44,286 people. Yeah. Half-time, Collingwood go in, doing what they everyone expects, leading 8-8 eight, eight to 4-10. Um, but the third quarter. Melbourne do it. We do our... We do a quarter. We do our thing. We learn. We, 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 uh, we finally two. got in the swing. Eight goals, two. Uh, eight goals, two oh, to yeah. one goal, four. And uh, then, really, from there, it was it was just done and dusted. We, just, you just, you do. just held on. Collingwood kicked three in the last. Melbourne only managed one, and they, they kicked, what, five points. But it didn't matter. We won by 11 points. Hey. Um, so in this game as well, Collingwood fullback Charlie Dibbs was injured and would miss the grand final. George Clayton of Collingwood deliberately smashed into Bob Johnson and received an eight-game suspension. Oh. And Ivor Warren-Smith ran through Charlie Tyson, Collingwood's captain, and would concuss him. They were doing mm. anything to win that, weren't they? They would. Interesting. Wow. There you go. Yes. Um, so it brings us to the next game. The and prelim. It was actually referred to as the prelim in the papers yeah. I saw as well. Yeah, oh. properly. Because, well, I guess you, you, you can because we know there's going to be a grand final. Essendon versus Melbourne. Essendon versus prelim Melbourne. Final. The prelim. Here it is. 
in front of 50,162 people. Come on, Bombers. Melbourne got the points. Uh, Three. Did. Just. Just. Very a controversial very game as well. Very. very oh. A couple of very interesting thing ha- things happened in this game. Very close. Very low-scoring uh, fighty affair, yeah. I would say. Not, not attractive football from the reports. No. So one thing that we know happened is... Uh, just before the halftime bell. Yes, Bob Corbett. Yeah, so Bunny Whitman, uh, the Melbourne half forward, was racing into goal and when May, the Essendon centre man, um, Chuka May, who we talked about yeah. before, um, he endeavoured to best. try and catch him. Whitman dashed on and Corbett was trying to shepherd him. May then struck Corbett in the face. Corbett Viciously king hit from behind is <laughs> yeah. the story that I've got here. Yes, we saw him end Break. up with a broken jaw, collapsed in the locker room at half time. And Charlie May was suspended for the all of the next year. He'd never play again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, so no replacements were allowed. We were forced to continue with 17, 17 men, men and defending our lead in the onslaught in the last quarter. But wow. Bobby Corbett, barely conscious looking like a mummy, staggered out and took his place in the centre of the ground. Get inspiring the, the, the fuchsias. So the, to free up Ivor Warren Smith to continue moving and he inspired the team to, to keep on doing their thing. That's right. Uh, which allowed us to stop that onslaught. and T- Took a nine-point lead in the three-quarter time. Last quarter, Essendon kicked an early goal and then just peppered the sticks. That, pe- peppered the goals but couldn't This couldn't was it. So, well, so, and right... Toward the end of the game, um, Harry Hunter, who was a tough man who played for Essendon, had the ball, was racing up the ground toward the goals and saw Corbett in the middle, who probably couldn't see him because he had, was totally uh, wrapped up, yeah. but did the right thing um, and passed the ball. He sidestepped Corbett, delivered the ball down the ground through another avenue. So he did... He Kept he, him out of the w- Harry Hunter was known for... Taking people off their feet. Yeah. But did the gentlemanly thing this time because he already had a broken jaw. I don't think you can do anything else. Um, Interestingly enough, that incident was the catalyst, catalyst, you would say, for um, bringing in substitutes, which happened four years later, started in 1930. But this was massive calls were made to allow substitutes after this, and it took them four years to come around to it. It did. All Big right. Games. So that takes us to the grand, grand final. Final Melbourne versus Collingwood. Mm, so Classic. we've got the D's have made one change, bringing in the young man Pop Vine to take Bob Corbett's place, who's getting his jaw rebuilt somewhere. Now, there's also talk at Collingwood that they were so desperate to win that Dick Lee would come back. Oh, really? So the week before, they'd had a, uh, a club picnic down at Mornington and he kicked seven of eight goals during some kicking competition game they'd had. And so there was some talk that he might play, but obviously he did not. <laughs> How could you not be excited? Well, yeah, obviously. Uh, so a crowd of what, Charlie? A crowd of 59,632. Which is I down 5,000 on last year. Yeah. Last year. Mm. Um, all right, so let's. I know you guys have been hanging out for this. Let's call Bert Chadwick. I can't wait to talk to Bert. Let's, let's, call, let's call the Melbourne Rooms after yes. their game. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and talk about this grand final because it's a big one. I'm excited. I'm going to try and keep it under wraps. All right. Welcome, Bert. Um, what a grand old day it is for the Melbourne Football Club. Yes, it is, rather, isn't it? I must say I'm wrapped and delighted to be talking to you all. 
Now, I've got some very excited Melbourne supporters here with me who just can't wait to chat to you. Oh, very good. Absolutely. So the second flag for the mighty Fuchsias, Bert, and a hard-fought one at that. Yes, you are jolly right there. It was a hard tussle out there today, for the most part. Now, you boys, you finished third this season, and look, the rest of the finalists were exactly the same as last year's. Um, Interesting little fact there. Um, Did you think that after last year's experience in the finals, um, that uh, that would make a difference for you, having that experience? Yes, finals experience is a pivotal thing for playing in these games. Quite different from a regular season game, it isn't it? Finishing third, we go into every game knowing there's no tomorrow. Absolutely. So finishing after a strong season with a few thumping wins, he came up against the first place and heavily favoured Collingwood in the first week of the finals, which uh, who beat us very convincingly in the finals last year. Um, not many people put their faith in you, but you came out with a surprise win. Yes, uh, we all had faith in each other. And despite not besting them in our previous 11 attempts, we knew that we could match it. And rallying to kick eight goals in that third quarter was when things really managed to click. We were just lucky that we could hold them off in that last quarter. And then you came up against a rough and ready and mighty Essendon side. <laughs> yes, uh, what a tough game that was. We knew they were desperate to repeat their success of 23 and 24 and would do anything to get there. Well, there was quite a contra- controversy at uh, half- the halftime break as well, Bert. Yes, well, let's not dwell too long on poor Bob Corbett, but his heroics later that day really did inspire us to hold on for victory. We gained a lot of confidence from that win. Absolutely. I think Ivor Warren-Smith really, uh, really helped him out, him coming back out onto the ground. Yeah. Um, so you came into today's granny knowing that you needed to beat Collingwood again to claim the flag, and as you said before, winning one out of the previous 12 attempts. Um and you brought in Pop Vine to replace Bob. Absolutely. Um, What was the thinking there? Well, Pop is a young bloke, keen to prove himself. He's a a Melbourne grammar boy with an excellent Excellent. kick. Good high mark. We knew his height would be a good advantage. So the weather was good for footy today. Perfect Melbourne day. Uh, You guys had the wind. What was the atmosphere like out there? Almost 60,000 people there to cheer you on. Absolutely. It It was magical. We knew the red and blue faithful would be in full voice today as they were last week. And you got off to a flying start. Yes, yes, it was, it was really blinking you miss at start. All I remember was the ball going quickly down the wing, Warren Smith getting it onto the bunny Whitman, and then somehow Bob Johnson ended up with it and had our first goal on the board. What a bloody start. You took the lead in the first minute and then just you held on to it all day. Yes, yes, we did. Four goals, five behinds. It was not the kind of accuracy we could have hoped for, but nine scoring shots to two gave us plenty of confidence. I bet it did, but Collingwood sort of took the confidence down a little bit and really hit back in that second quarter, didn't they? Oh boy, Joe, they did. Five goals to our three. They really had us there. I was looking to wear us down. We were quite relieved when the siren rang. Uh, so it was game on at halftime. Nine point lead, uh, but with the third quarter coming, we knew Melbourne was going to apply the pressure. Um, what has it been with your third quarters of late? Yeah, it's a funny thing, really. It's almost like it takes us a half a football to warm up, and then by the third, we're just clicking into gear and hitting our stride. Seems this is when we pay, play our best football. Yeah, you're spot on there, Bert. Just like you did against Collingwood in the first final, you tore them apart with that devastating six-minute burst. Yes, it was wonderful to be a part of. Warren Smith, Whitman, Duff, White. The play was electrifying to be a part of. Even the new boy Vine got in on the action. At the end of it all, when Johnson kicked what I think was the team's 14th goal or so, 
we had them almost a 50-point lead, and we knew the flag was ours. Um, something Collingwood did in the third quarter was shift young Jack Beveridge from the centre to half forward, um, seemingly to give a different avenue to goal, um, and they put Bottles Chetwas into the middle. How did you see this as the uh, captain? Yeah, look, I loved it, to be honest, because Jack was putting the blanket on our Brownlow medalist. But once he moved, Ivor just couldn't be stopped, could he? Bottles was no match for Ivor. Yeah, he really took the fire out of the match after that point, I reckon. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, being out there was really a time for us to enjoy playing football. Knowing that we had won the season and would soon be enjoying the fruit of our hard labour. So when the sirens sounded, you won by a whopping 57 points. I think, is that a record, Charlie? I think it might be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Um, quite the embarrassment to Collingwood in the end. Yes, yes. Yeah, it, was a f- it was a fine win in the end and uh, no disrespect to Collingwood. They played out a fine season. But our boys really wanted it and earned it today. This win was for all the long-suffering futures out there and for players like Bob Corbett, who couldn't be out there playing. So in your, in your eyes, Bert, who were the better players out there today? Well, you know my thoughts on Bob Johnson. I've said it before. He is the best high mark in the business. And to kick six today in a grand final was no mean feat. He just excelled himself. He soared into the air like a bird and marked magnificently and uncannily. Six goals, boys. Six goals. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> and we hear there was a special excited visitor in the rooms waiting for you. Yeah, the father of our game, Henry Harrison, was there himself, waiting to celebrate with us. We told him we had given him an early 90th birthday present. Gee, he was beaming from ear to ear. He just could not have been more proud of the Melbourne Football Club that day. Well, so the future looks bright for the Melbourne team from here. A massive win, and if you can play like that again next season, there may be a whole slew of flags coming our way. Well, yes, that would be nice. Barring injuries, I hope you are right. Bert, thank you so much for your time. I, um... Thanks, boys. Look, the Collingwood captain has just walked in. I've got to go and do the right thing. Of course, yeah, of course. Bert. Yeah. Enjoy the win. Well, there you go. Was that exciting enough for you, Charlie? That was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so, to talk to a successful Melbourne to Premiership captain. To talk to a successful Melbourne <laughs> Premiership captain. There's yeah. not many of those around, no. unfortunately. And what a gentleman as yeah, well. Yeah, wasn't he? Of course he is. He plays for Melbourne. <laughs> um, so, absolutely fantastic win. After a very close, very dirty prelim. Yep. Coming out and winning by 57 points in a yeah. grand final. And Collingwood really fantastic. tried to rough them up there early in the game yeah. as well. But we didn't allow it to get over the top of us. No, and you we were just, already used to it. You just did the thing that you do. You had your devastating third quarter. You piled on seven goals two and held and then, them to one two. And, that and was then, it. but even I mean, the last quarter, not even holding them off, just continuing that run. Another three, what three goals to two? A, three, three goals eight to two goals two. So put them in the ground. Now there was as a bit of a. Uh, uh, an extra note there was some griping after the game about the fact that potentially Collingwood had played dead mm, we'll talk about this more Ooh. next episode because okay. it, that's really when it takes effect it's, it doesn't actually happen in this season okay we'll leave it till then but yeah spoiler a big uh, yeah, yeah so that. it's a cliffhanger it certainly was yeah okay well we'll leave until until next year I don't want to <laughs> no, so tune in, guys. Well, is there something to do with like them wanting to re- do a rematch? You'll have to listen. You'll have to uh, show up for our next recording, because oh, very okay. interesting. Um, All right, I'm actually listening now. To <laughs> or here to record with us <laughs> now to celebrate. Uh, there was a a poem written by committeeman J O Smith. Ah, great. About Melbourne's 
grand final appearance. Yeah, the Spirit of 26. It's called The Will to Win. Oh, That's right. This is good. This is how it goes. <clears throat> There's a wonderful old player in the Melbourne side this year. His name's not in the record, but you can bet he's here. He's known as Mr. Will to Win, and he dominates the play. At centre, back or forward, you'll find him in the fray. He's great on tear-through tactics, and he loves a willing crush. And many a game he's won for us with a great last quarter rush. Sometimes this year he's been away, and sometimes he's been sick. He's back and feeling fit and well, and he says he's going to stick. He's not too fond of birds and beasts, and when we have to play, in tiger's lairs and magpie's nest, he sometimes stays away. And wires to our committee that he's got a nasty pain, but he's made a faithful promise that it won't occur again. And when the finals come, he says that he'll be at his best. He'll give the blues the blues again and paralyse the rest. Yeah, That is fantastic. Why don't we still use that? I'm sure we can put that into a song and send it to the club. We should. That is phenomenal. That's right. Nothing catches J.O. Smith knows what he's doing. Yeah, thank you, Joe. You can surely turn a phrase. Uh, one, one more point I've got on this um, is how they celebrated. So following the win. So we were able to get our hands on the annual minutes. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, of this season and of Melbourne's annual minutes. And this is what happened. It's in the minutes. How, how would they? How do you think Melbourne would celebrate? I, 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 know, I, know, I, know, I know exactly <laughs> what what Melbourne did. Uh, a good wind up to the season celebrations was a weekend trip to Portsea, <laughs> generously donated Someone's by house. the MCC committee. The players, supporters, and committee provided their own cars for the outing. The party left the city at one pm on Saturday, November thirteenth, and arrived at Portsea that evening for dinner. A very jolly time was spent until Monday morning. All who were fortunate to make this trip were delighted with their happy weekend. As they bloody should be. That's right. Have an outing. That's the way it should be. (laughs) Down the peninsula. (laughs) All right. So let's run through the year, shall we? Well, very quickly, we've got some retirements to talk through. Yep. So let's cue the uh, sad music, Kaz. So Harry Saunders of Collingwood. Made his final appearance, Mark Tandy from South Melbourne, part of the part of the trio. Yeah, well, we lost uh, Flutter last week, last year. Yeah, Wells Ike after mm. playing 218 games for St Kilda and North Melbourne. Um, at that point as well, he was considered the game's record holder for St Kilda. But if you listen to our interview with Russell Holmesby last episode, um, you'll find out that he actually d- discovered he wasn't. No. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Bob Bob Merrick of Fitzroy. Yeah. Finishing up, Dan Minow played his last game, 180 games, two flags, nice. captain, coach, yeah. turncoat, veteran. <laughs> turncoat, veteran. Uh, and I'll mention here as well, Baldwin Spencer, from the VFL yep, presidency, uh, his last year. He finished off in May as well. Yeah. Uh, and look, there were more retirements, but they were some of the bigger yeah, ones. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, sum up then, shall we? Let's sum up. Beautiful. So the wooden spoon went to? North Melbourne. North. Their very first. No North. wins. The Brownlow. Ivor Warren Smith. Ivor Warren Smith of Melbourne, the great centerman. Uh, where, where are we leading going goal next? Kicker. The leading goal kicker was Gordon Coventry yep, so with 83. 78 for the season and 83 across yeah. the whole finals yeah. included. Lovely. And the Premiers. Premiers were Melbourne over Collingwood. The Mighty Fuchsias. Put your hands in the air. Highest score as well. You you would have thought it was Melbourne's against uh, Hawthorne, but it was not. It was actually what? Collingwood kicking twenty eight sixteen. I believe against the same team. Damn it! Mm. We almost got there. Killer. Almost. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you you would, you would have thought that would uh, do it, but no. It was uh, Collingwood against Footscray. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. uh, in June. 
There you go. Uh, now, very quickly, before we end, two important bits of news about our show. Firstly, we're doing a live show. Yes, that's we right. are going to attempt to do a live show. We're going to the Alwood Lounge on June second. Yes, I believe one PM will be kicking off, which is a Sunday. It is a Sunday. So, so if, come if, you're on not, down. if you're not going to the Essendon Carlton game at the G, come on down. And we're going to actually re-record our eighteen ninety seven episode. Yeah, because we're a bit embarrassed by it. We want to do it justice. <laughs> we are. Um, yeah. No more so than myself. Uh, no, but I don't. I don't, I don't want to show it all, shoulder all of it. The, 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 the guilt. So come down and uh, see and, us in person. Yeah. Yeah. Watch Please. us not edit things out. Yeah. Watch me ask all the awkward questions to Kaz when I when he's when, yeah. I see him, <laughs> when he's not ready for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. So if you get a chance, come down and see That'd us. That'd be great. Um, and if it's successful, we might do some more. Yeah. Um, and the other exciting news is we hopefully are getting our own website. That is the plan. So, so we're currently in the process of making it. We've registered the domain kicktokickpodcast.com. So putting together a few articles, a few different links. All our songs that we've recorded. Absolutely. So, so yeah. easy access to our, all, the, all, the, all that we do. All that we do. And also, hopefully, we can link you guys through right. to what we use to find out all this fantastic information as well and all the brilliant sources that we use and uh, don't often have time to really say thank you to. So, yes. yeah, that would be a nice way to do it. Uh, and so please like and share. Yeah, um, get around get, it. Yeah, get more of a crowd there on the live show, see if we can make it a big one. Yeah. yeah we move now towards the uh, the machine years. Oh, yes. The dark, dark machine years. The dark machine years, <laughs> absolutely. So, Timmy, let, but to wrap up, what who what is the grand final tally? Oh, yes, of course. What is the tally? Of course. How could I forget? All right, let me get to that. We have Fitzroy bottom. on seven. God, they're good. Essendon on six. Yeah, they're all they're right. Good. <laughs> Carlton on five. Collingwood on five. South Melbourne on two. Melbourne on two. Hey! Richmond on two. Yes. And Geelong on one. Ah, there we go. You're off the bottom. You're off the bottom. Okay. So we're just waiting for St Kilda. Well, and and of Melbourne, the originals and North Melbourne, Footscray, and Hawthorne, yeah. Of the originals, of the originals just yeah. waiting for some Kilda. They, 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 yeah, just Did around you? the corner. Did you? <laughs> They'll be right. Sorry, just all sprinkling. the St Kilda listeners out there. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. That's no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, so yeah, so yeah, June the second at the Elwood Lounge in Elwood, Melbourne. Yes, of, just near St Kilda. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, <laughs> yeah, you don't live in Melbourne, book flights, stay somewhere yeah, near St Kilda. It's probably yeah, the easiest. There, there may or may not be um, crab cakes there. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> oh, and uh, shout out to whoever downloaded us in Alaska as well. Oh, we yes. Download in Alaska. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. We love it. It's a great thing to listen to while dog sledding, I've heard. Yeah, or watching orcas. And Bangladesh. We've had quite a lot of uh, hits in Bangladesh, so hello anyone who's listening to us in Bangladesh. Oh, fantastic. Well. Yes. I love it. We're spreading. We are. Like yeah. wildfire. Still looking for that Russian download, though. We need it. Yeah, I don't know on. whether they'll be able to get it yeah, anyway. Yeah. Can you just call don't a Russian friend? Yeah. They're in a hurry to... Uh, we should stop our yes okay (laughs) alright well thank you guys for listening Uh, please rate us wherever you find it and tell tell your mates tell one person just give us a listen don't listen to 1897 as we said wait start you know start somewhere where yeah and um, yeah please just spread the love because we love doing it and if you like listening you know I'm sure someone else you know would love it too that's right thanks a lot hooroo you can contact kick to kick by email at kick to kick podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at kick to kick pod or Instagram, which is at kick to kick pod as well. 
For our growing list of all our references, please go to kicktokick.podbean.com slash p slash reference dash list. Thank you very much for listening.